0: Welcome to the Woot and Why NFL Podcast, proudly brought to you by William Hill, where you'll find faster, easier betting on the NFL. Oh, he fumbles the ball, and Luck is there to pick it up, and go over the goal line! Roger strambles Luck, winds up, he's got time of the 10 to the front! Yes! To the end zone! Touchdown, Darren Sprooge! Gone! Touchdown, Eagle! This is the Woot and Why Podcast. All things NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Woot and Y.
1: Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Woot and Y Show. I am Josh Y, and this is a uh, week 13 edition of our uh, podcast. It's going to be a bit of a different, bit of a mix up here in the Woot and Y land. It's kind of like two podcasts in one. I've got Woot joining me halfway through the show to preview week 13. uh, He's busy away this weekend, so I managed to, to squeeze 40 minutes of time out of him. I do apologize, our last like three games we had to rush, so we uh, were very quick on our analysis because we spent way too much time on games like Kansas City and Atlanta. But for the top of this show, I'm joined by the one and only RJ Ochoa of the RJ Ochoa Show and Ocho Live on Facebook, which I do love. Even though I'm not a Cowboys fan, I tune in and watch little bits here and there and uh he uh, is very entertaining a good friend of mine and uh finally making his Wooten Wire debut welcome RJ
2: what's going on man I uh I'm really excited this is you know absolutely one of my favorite podcasts on my weekly rotation and um I'm, I'm just sort of geeking out right now this is uh, this is a big thrill for me
1: it's been a while because you had me on your show uh a while back and I promised to return the favor but uh fortunately our uh the Woot and Weiss schedule, because of my new job, uh, put us a little bit behind the eight ball with time zones and whatnot, and I'm actually up at two in the morning here. My girlfriend hates me right now um, for doing this, <laughs> but uh, I'm dedicated to the show and to the listeners, uh, and um, I really wanted to get RJ on because we're going to talk some Cowboys in a little bit. Um, I was going to rant with Woot because I thought he was joining me for the whole show about summer here, but I don't know if it's what it's like for you, but... Um, it's just hitting summer here and I can't stand it. I flies, (laughs) gardening, just everything. Like I had to go out in my yard yesterday and I just could not do it. I just can't handle the heat. I don't know what it is. I just, in winter, I can just throw another jacket on. In summer, there's not much you can do. Is that, is that the same with you in summer?
2: So... I live in San Antonio, Texas, and and I'm from originally deep South Texas, the Rio Grande Valley, and it can it can get ridiculously hot in the summer. I mean, I, we're talking, you know, 103 is a Fahrenheit, obviously is a is a solid day. I mean, that that's a win in the summer, but um, obviously, you know, this neck of the woods this time of year. It's pretty chilly. I'd say it's probably today, probably about forty degrees. Uh, so I don't know if that makes you hate me a little bit, but um, mm. it's it's starting to kind of turn around. And but the summer, I'm I'm with you when when that swing starts to happen around you know my uh, my piece of the world. It is a miserable experience because the humidity here is uh, is no joke.
1: Yeah, it's no joke here. It's just ridiculous. Like I just can't get anything done. Like I've and I'm just it's more me just venting my frustrations of the fact about. Just in general, in gardening, like who gardens in 2016? I just I need to. We've got relatives. So com- gu- we've got relatives coming in. Yeah, I know we have relatives coming over in a couple of weeks, and um, I've got to clean up the yard and like get everything looking good because uh, you know, I just you know, me and the me and the girlfriend want the place looking at least halfway decent when we have people to stay, and it's just for me, I'm all about artificial turf. Just put it in in anything that way. I can play <laughs> it. I can get a few snaps on. On my front lawn you know throw the pigskin yeah. around and that way i don't have to mow or, or weed or anything like that because i was out there for a few hours last yesterday and it was just it was just absolutely ridiculous
2: well make sure the hall of fame crew isn't the one helping you out yes. you know i i, I feel <laughs> like we don't we didn't make enough fun of that you know like we were yeah. too excited for football that we didn't get enough jokes out of that so
1: no i had to I, get one. i uh, that's a good one i think uh, that's a good note to end and let's get into some edifeld news let's do it Let's start with uh, the Patriots and Rob Gronkowski. And then Rob Rob Gronkowski's family uh, released a statement saying that he's unlikely to play again this season and that the final determination will not be made until after he undergoes surgery on Friday, which it's now Saturday in the US and he has had that surgery posting on Instagram, something about hitting up a dance floor, looking very dazed and uh, still under the effects of anesthetic. It was a typical Gronk style of fashion to uh, to bounce back from the injury, but uh, it, it seems like Gronk is not playing for the rest of the season. Possibly, maybe they could keep him, and, and if they make a deep, deep playoff run, he might be available, and I guess without Gronk, the likelihood of a deep, deep playoff run is is less, but uh, this is an absolutely huge loss, and I hope it's not a career because three back surgeries is, is absolutely no joke.
2: Now, you know this a lot of people i mean especially in in Cowboys twitter were reminded of tony romo you know and and Gronkowski is is a whole hell of a lot younger than than tony is and so but but that's kind of what you think of and and i'm i'm with mm. you you know you, you you look at that and you do think you know it's the same type of chirping you know that that goes around tony romo man he he should retire i mean Gronk's dealing with a similar set of circumstances but i mean you know you look at Gronk and what makes him so special i mean to this point at least through through this far in his career arguably the best tight end of all time I mean it's his monstrous demonstrative type of play that makes him so special and so even if he does come back in 2017 or whatever I mean I think we both think he will but I mean is he is he the the same person or is he you know 70 to 80 percent capacity of what he used to be and so even if he's back, he's not Gronk. You know what I mean? The Gronk, I think we, we saw sort of circa 2013, 2014. Those days when Pete Gronk, I don't know if we'll ever see those days again, whether or not he's on the field.
1: Yeah, I uh, I tend to agree with you. It, it, but even 80% of Gronk is, is so far and away the best tight end in the NFL because when he's on, it, it's just unbelievable the gap between him And the rest of the tight ends active in the NFL and I guess all time, really. I know some people look at Tony Gonzalez and and Shannon Sharp and even your guy, Jason Witten. But just when Gronk is at the pinnacle of his player, it's just he's ungodly. And it's just it's just such a he's just so much fun to watch, uh, even with the not with the sorry, let me phrase that the personality. Even if he was like as vanilla as Joe Flacco, he would still be absolutely fun to watch. But the way he is, it, it makes it even funner uh Tom, yeah. Tom Brady with and without Rob Gronkowski when you look at the stats uh his passer rating is 84.4 without Gronk 104.5 with Gronk his uh touchdown interception ratios uh worse his pass yardage per games worse completion percentage and win rate uh is is diff- massively different without Gronk just showing how valuable he is to this Patriots offense
2: Yeah I mean you know, I think we get so caught up in the mystique of Tom Brady, and, and rightfully so. I mean, the guy's arguably the greatest to ever do it. But, I mean, I don't think it's a coincidence the Patriots won their Super Bowl two years ago because they've got Gronk, or they had Gronk at the time. I mean, yeah. you know, if it's ju- if it's just Danny Amendola and, and Julian Edelman, I think that's a different story. But, you know, the NFL really became a big pass-happy league, I think sort of around 2006 was when we saw this era sort of take off, and I don't think it's a coincidence that the most success Tom Brady has had was, you know, that 2007 season when Randy Moss arrived. And then after the arrival of Rob Gronkowski, I mean, it gives Tom Brady that, that true threat that he, he really has been absent, you know, of before either arrival. And it's tough. I mean, but I'm with you. I mean, I love Gronkowski's personality. He really just sort of fits that, that Boston athlete swag. You know, even, you know, you mentioned his little... Uh, you know, video, I mean, the guy said, I'm going dancing. I mean, he's just, you know, you you only dislike Gronk if you just dislike happiness because the guy is, He's he's fun. He's good for the game. He's a great, you know, great guy, and you just want to root for
1: him. Yeah, I uh, could not agree more, and Woot famously said that year that that was his bold prediction is if Gronk did not uh, play, the Patriots don't win the Super Bowl, and if they do, win the Super Bowl, it has to be with Gr- Rob Gronkowski. So he was a, a key factor, and I've always argued that I think he's the most valuable player on their team. Even with Brady playing the way he is, I think it's because of Rob Gronkowski. But let's uh, let's move on to some, um, not bigger news, but different news. Um, this is from ESPN's Jim Trotter. He said, barring an unanticipated miracle, he expects both the Chargers and Raiders to relocate this season. So the Chargers would move to Los Angeles, and the Raiders to Las Vegas, the Chargers seem to have had the chance of staying in San Diego until the stadium ballot initiative was overwhelmingly defeated last month. Now it seems uh, perfect for the league that they get two teams in L.A., which I guess is what they wanted. I'm not a huge fan of it, but Oakland to Las Vegas uh, has some sort of fun attached to it or at least some sort of circus factor for it because you know it's going to be a wild ride.
2: Yeah, and you know, as, a, as a student of NFL history – I'm totally with you. Why? I mean, it bothers me. You know, I mean, the Raiders belong in Oakland, the Chargers belong in San Diego. But I mean, you look at the the status of the teams in 2016. So it kind of makes sense. I mean, the chart the Chargers have been, you know, not not even one foot out the door. The Chargers have had their hands on the light switch. You know, when you are like you just sort of reach back in without even looking in the room yep. to turn off the lights. That's how the Chargers have been forever. And I mean, it it will legitimately bum me out if the Raiders move. But I will say that the the one possible place that they can move that that I could feel ultimate joy would be Las Vegas. And, you know, we talk about how the Raiders have this sort of Vegas mentality because you think Al Davis, Derek Carr, I think of all the quarterbacks in the NFL, I think is the one who's meant to play in Vegas. I don't know what it is about him, but there's just something about, you know, everything lining up somewhat poetically around that whole situation
1: yep and the coach right now is called blackjack del Rio, so just exactly just fits perfectly for las vegas um yeah i think i think it is i agree i think of all the quarterbacks Derek Carr is probably the most likely to find himself at a blackjack table
2: it's um i mean you're you're right i mean oh god i see like you know i made that that joke earlier but the blackjack del Rio. i'm so disappointed but i set you up that's all it really matters
1: yeah thanks thank you but uh, apart, from, apart from Derek Carr, which which NFL quarterbacks do you reckon would you know wouldn't mind playing a bit of craps or some roulette?
2: Man, you know, I think I'd, I think Aaron Rodgers yeah would be there for appearance. You know, like mm-hmm. he would be there like just because everybody would demand that he goes. That's kind of how Aaron Rodgers would be. I think Russell Wilson would be there really awkwardly, yeah. um, just like not
1: knowing what to do. No, um, he would. But... He wouldn't step step foot in a casino. Let's be honest. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, I kind of, I could, I kind of want to say, I could see Kirk Cousins doing it. Just, you know, getting real loud and boisterous, you know, having a, a
1: massive goofball. Couple...
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And just not, you know, like not really knowing the rules, but still having like success. And he's the guy you hate the whole time. I don't know.
1: <laughs> I think, uh, Philip Rivers would be very animated playing craps with, uh, his facial expressions and whatnot. When, when he rolls the dice, that would be, uh, that would be a wild ride. I would, wouldn't mind playing some craps with, uh, Phil Rivers. Uh, all right, let's move on to the last little bit of news before we recap Thursday Night Football, and that's uh, NFL suspended Cowboys linebacker Rolando McClain indefinitely without pay for violations of the league's substance abuse policy. Colour me, shock. Colour oh, uh, you purple. Yeah. <laughs> you're the Cowboys, man. Um, I, I guess a lot of Cowboys Twitter, probably the same. Very, very surprised, right?
2: This, um, you know, typically something like this happens and in the Cowboys land, it happens all too often, I'll say, but I mean, something like this happens and I run to try to figure out what I'm going to do and how, you know, my, you know, try to piece together some thoughts. I, I literally just sort of scrolled past this, like any other tweet, like just, Oh, okay. You know, I mean, just come on, man. I mean, the guy refused to show up to training camp, uh, which I think was an indicator of how this season was going to go for him. I I envision Rolando McClain was sitting on a boat somewhere uh, and got a text that said you're suspended or an email. He just said, "Oh, that's cool," and just went back to fishing.
1: Probably just threw his phone into the ocean because he was just waiting on that confirmation before he could just just float off into the abyss, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, for sure, it, it really is a shame. I mean, the, the 2014 season he had was incredible. Yeah. You know, we all we all wanted to see him and Sean Lee together, never really got that chance. Um, but, uh, hopefully, hopefully Jalen Smith is Rolando McLean's talent, at least reincarnated.
1: Yep. And we'll, uh, hold our, uh, hold our breath and wait for, for Jalen Smith. I, I don't think it'll be this year, but wouldn't mind seeing him next year at this point, because, uh, you invested a high round draft pick on him and the talent's there. When you watch it on tape at Notre Dame, he is, he is a phenomenal talent.
2: Yeah, for sure. And, and I'm with you. I mean, people think he's coming back this year, maybe for the playoffs. There's no way. I mean, but, um, yeah, right now I'm just holding out hope.
1: Yep. All right, let's uh, jump into Thursday Night Football. Good. All right, so Dallas win the game 17 15. 21.8 million viewers for Dallas and Minnesota. The most watched Thursday Night Football game ever. Up 22% from last year's Rogers to Rogers game. That infamous Hail Mary play from Aaron Rodgers to Richard Rogers. The Cowboys. Uh, now this is a, this is from NFL.com. So don't, uh, don't come at me here, but the Cowboys were outplayed for three and a half quarters before creating their own luck with a forced fumble at the Vikings eight yard line. And the rest is history when they turn it around. What was your thoughts on the Cowboys performance and the game itself?
2: Well, I think first of all, you got to give a lot of credit to the Minnesota Vikings. They played a great game, a lot of energy. and, And I think the emotional element of Mike Zimmer's absence. I think you could feel that. You could feel there was a high level of passion, um, you know, sort of coming from them. And so, I mean, it's tough to take that kind of shot. And I I don't want to say the Cowboys came out flat, but the Cowboys came out and and couldn't play their game. I mean, you think of the 2016 Cowboys and, and how do they win games? They control the ball. They dominate time of possession. They don't make mistakes. They convert third downs. They didn't do any of those things and they walked away with the win, which is, you know, I mean, that's a successful day at the office. And, you know, Michael Irvin, who, you know, chimes in on the Cowboys every once in a while. I mean, he said he wanted the Cowboys to lose this game to, you know, sort of, sort of get, get a gut check of a bit. And I think that, that, you know, idea was accomplished all while winning the game. And, in, you know, you look at, I think the game sort of defining play was the Kyle Wilber forced fumble on Adam Thielen on the the punt return. Yep. And that, Really turned it around, and, and so this is the kind of game that you know, and, and I think you see them every year with with teams that I'm not you know not assigning destiny to the Cowboys, but you look at it and it's you know it's easy to win games you know like they beat the Bengals when Zeke rips off a sixty yard touchdown or whatever, but it's hard to win these games, and it, sometimes you win just because that's who you are. You, you find a way. You you know you grind and grind and grind. That's I think that's kind of what happened. They got a little lucky, and um, I think. Ultimately, you know, and this is just my opinion. I think it was a matter of looking a little bit past the Vikings. I mean, the Vikings were one in five over their last six games, and the Cowboys have a big date with the Giants next week. So I think it was a matter of it's Thursday night football. Sam Bradford's been whatever. We just got to go through this, and we'll be fine. And thankfully, they walked out on the winning side of things.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I I can agree with that. I think it it scared them enough um to to know that not to get complacent and to not every win is going to come so easily, and uh, you're right. that They did not do what they have done all season long, and uh, they managed to get the win. That that special teams play was huge, and it was a hell of a challenge from Jason Garrett after we've seen some, some really bad coaches' challenges, especially one from Doug Peterson on Monday Night Football, where he <coughs> did it for a two-yard p- play, which was just the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen all season. So that was a hell of a coaching job by Jason Garrett, who I think right now is probably the coach of the year at this point. But you mentioned Sam Bradford being a little bit meh. Um, I feel like he's a bit unfairly treated because I feel like he's in a really bad situation with that offensive line and that offense where he's not getting enough time, so he can actually go deep, so he has to check it down a lot. And then, you know, if he does hang on to the ball, then he's just going to get killed. So it's whether he can, if he wants to get hit, and and take some big hits or get rid of the ball. I feel like he's in a sort of can't win situation with with that offense.
2: Yeah, that's true, and and certainly fair to Sam. And I know they showed that graphic in terms of how how much quickly he gets the ball out now, or how quicker he gets it out. You know, compared to when North Turner was still running the offense there. And yep. I mean, I I think you're right. I mean, Sam's not working with a lot, and that's what you know is is sad, honestly, about the Cowboys' defense. Is that I mean, I agree with you that Sam Bradford probably. Really improperly criticized, but I mean, I think he looked better than than the norm yep. um, in this in this game. And so, you know, I, I tweeted this during the game. The irony about the Cowboys is they have the best offensive line in the NFL, but their pass rush makes everybody else look like they have the best offensive line <laughs> in the NFL. It, <laughs> I it, don't know. It's uh, so tragic.
1: My team's front seven and pass rush is, is pretty woeful. I think between the two of us here, we might have the worst uh, group of pass rushes, uh, apart from DeMarcus Lawrence, probably in the NFL uh, right now, well, we,
2: but we can score. We can at least score. So yeah, that's all we, we got.
1: We can't do much. Uh, the Colts, so, <laughs> but, uh, um, but is is this the blueprint though to beat to beat the Dallas Cowboys? Is is this the blueprint? Did the Vikings show what what is the blueprint? Because you know the offensive line lost the battle at the line of scrimmage, um, and you know Zeke Elliott had some fumbles, and and they couldn't complete those third downs, and that was because you know, this star-studded front seven of the Vikings, you know, they held Prescott to season-low 139 yards. They held Elliott, you know, under 90 rushing yards. And, you know, they have that that great D-line that attacks Doug Free. That's the weak spot in this in this great wall of China. And they have the cornerbacks that, that are able there to, to, you know, you can leave them one-on-one and, and trust them. And then you bring that A-gap pressure with the linebackers, and then you can free up your safety to, to do whatever to do that, whatever they want. But unfortunately, you know, there's not many teams that can do that, that that had the personnel packages to do that. But you feel like maybe a team like Seattle or or even Washington, who have troubled you a little bit, even though you've beat them twice. But do you feel like that's the blueprint for the Cowboys?
2: Well, it's interesting you bring up those... Two specific teams because for me and, and and I've sort of been been here for a while. The team I fear most in in the division and is the Washington Redskins. And thankfully, you're right. We're done with them. We swept them. But I think that we've seen the the maybe not the blueprint, but we've seen the the idea of how to beat the Cowboys in the past two weeks, counting Thanksgiving, because. You need to be able to defensively, like you're saying, do what the Vikings did. Because you've got, I mean, at the end of the day, this is one of the best offenses in the NFL. You, you've got to slow it down to some degree. Yeah. But you have to have the personnel on the other side of the ball to outscore them. And that's what the Vikings didn't have. And, and the the Redskins sort of in in an opposite light, I don't, it wasn't a shootout on Thanksgiving, but they scored a lot of points. And so I, I think that it takes a team like Seattle who can do both of those things. Because if you can, you can get some three and outs, and the Cowboys have had some, you know, year lately in the last two games if you can sort of fluster this offense defensively the cowboys aren't anything special and their their defense is predicated on their offense giving them leads and and sustaining long drives and so i think seattle is sort of the perfect storm in terms of they have the offensive potency of a team like the redskins who can hang with the cowboys but they have the defensive prowess of a team like the vikings who can limit what the cowboys can do offensively so I mean the Seahawks I think certainly um are, are the the biggest threat. For a while I felt like the, it was the Falcons a little bit, but I think the Falcons ultimately uh would just sort of be grinded out of it by Zeke just cuz defensively they're I mean they're probably worse than than our teams.
1: Yeah, especially now that Desmond Trufant's out as well. It's just it's just hard to to line up anyone with Des Bryant as well, so that that's just gives you that ability to beat them in any way that you can. So I agree with you. It very much feels like the Cowboys are a lot of these like it reminds me of the Peyton Manning Colts where the defense was built for Peyton to get to get the Colts into a lead and that was when our defense played best. But then when you faced a, a really good team and that's why they struggled against the Patriots a lot is because Bill Belichick was able to, to slow down Peyton Manning enough and then they were able to get leads and our defense was never effective enough when we're playing from behind. It just it just never worked out and I, I get that sort of similar feeling with the Cowboys in Seattle is that it's heading to towards that type of rivalry where we'll see them face off I think in in the years to come including this season I, I think that that's going to be the NFC championship game is the Cowboys in Seattle.
2: It, I mean it it certainly would be epic and 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 it's a, it's a great comparison I mean Peyton and, and the Patriots and you know that that's what it, it sort of took on Thursday night I mean it took That bit of luck. I mean, if that that fumble doesn't happen, that Adam Thielen fumble, this you know they probably lose that game. and they deserve to lose that game. But so I mean, in games like that, you have to get lucky. But I mean, it it sort of seems poetic that it would be Cowboys Seahawks. It's a weird. I don't even know if it's a rivalry yet. I mean, you know, because you think of that game and you think of the 2014 sort of statement win by the Cowboys. But I mean, that was the the dragon the Cowboys had to slay. Um and, and that was I believe the Seahawks' first loss since winning Super Bowl 48 and really really you know legitimized them and so it it, it just seems sort of uh destiny that they'd have to do it one more time probably this time at least at home uh, in order to get where they want to be.
1: Yeah, it was uh, that was a hell of a game that what was it, what was it week uh, ten or eleven or?
2: I was like I want to say it was like week five or six because <laughs> it was it it was when they um. It was like right before, like two games before Tony got hurt on Monday night football and but it was God he played so epic. good.
1: He played so good in that game.
2: He did. Rolando McClain had the game clinching interception. There
1: and, we go. Yeah. Ugh. I miss Tony Romo so much. Let's let's talk about your season as a whole quickly before I let you go, before I climb back into bed. Uh you know, it's been an absolutely wild ride, but it's been a very emotional ride for Cowboys fans because of Tony Romo. Uh, I I think that uh, you know you you call yourself an NFL historian, and you're if I know if I need to ask anyone anything about Cowboys, uh, I I will move to you, RJ, because I think uh, you're the number one guy for it. I think you've established yourself at this point, or at least in my eyes, anyway. Um, that's not a shot at you, Laurie. Um, but (laughs) but uh you know rj's there with his hand on the pulse hand on the ground eyes on the turf over there but it i think tony romo's the cowboy's greatest ever quarterback and it's just sad to see him not get a chance with this team
2: yeah no i mean um first of all i appreciate the kind words and um i mean you're uh honestly a great friend of mine i enjoy um we've talked before i mean i love Twitter and, and what it provides us. And I'm grateful that it, it provides this platform and this connection, but absolutely, I mean, you know, you look at it and, and I think you say that and people scoff at you like, Oh, how can you say that? You know, Roger Staubach, Troy Eggman, whatever. But I mean, th- you have a point. Um, I, I think in, you know, Tony's not just defined his generation, but he's been his generation. And I mean, in many ways, Tony Romo has single-handedly become larger than the Cowboys. Um, and, and I think a lot of it, and this is, I think, a good YRJ conversation for another day, but it revolves around 2006. I think that was such an important year when the NFL sort of skyrocketed and Tony Romo was the face of the Cowboys. And it is just, it, it, it's so painful to to admit this, but it's almost the perfect ending um, to, to his career. It's almost Shakespearean in that you know, for so long Tony Romo was the most underappreciated element of these great teams and now he has this great team and that he's not a part of. I mean, this team to a degree was custom tailored. I mean it's like a custom tailored suit that was made for him yeah. that he has to watch Dak Prescott, you know, wear down the runway and look look incredible in. Um <laughs> and, and you know, you you said that and it's been emotional. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Which you know, people criticize Tony for. Well, you know, he dated Jessica Simpson and Carrie Underwood, but I mean, it it certainly has been emotional. And um, again, you know, it sort of feels perfect in a poetic sense. I mean, almost cathartic. I mean, it's it's a weird, uh, weird sort of hybrid of things. But you know, I, I think we'll look back on that that press conference he had. And it reminds me of when Roger Staubach sort of choked up and, you know, said a, the man, the Dallas Cowboys revolve around a man in a funny hat talking about Tom injury. And that moment to me felt like, you know, like when you graduate high school or, uh, you know, I don't know what it's called in Australia, like no, that's it. whatever, <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but that's it. You know, you know, like it it sort of felt like a, like a green day song in that, you know, life moves on. Like, I, I don't know if you've ever watched, uh, I, I imagine you have, cause you're a, a great, Great person, one of this one. If, if you ever watched Boy Meets World, um, the the old TV show Boy Meets World, it sort of felt like like you're graduating, you know, like you're moving on, and, and you don't want to let go. I mean, Tony Romo has been everything you've ever known, and, and so, but. Life moves, things happen, things change, and so um, it, it's been a, a graduation type of season that's just painfully ironic for for one person, and it's the person most people hold near and dear to their hearts.
1: Yeah, it is. Uh, it is. It is tough to watch, but I, I guess I think it's right. I, I think you're right there. It is very Shakespearean, it's very poetic for Romo, and I thought his press conference was some of the most raw and honest things that we'll see from a quarterback this year, as opposed to some of the robotic stuff you. You hear on a week to week basis. Uh, last question for you: Where do you, where do you, where where would you like to see Tony Romo play if he's not playing for Dallas next season? Like, what what situation would you like to see him in?
2: Well. I'll say on behalf of Tony, I'd like, or not on behalf of it, but in terms of looking at it through the Romo lens, I think, I mean, everybody connects Denver, although I think that's a lazy comparison. Uh, it'd be cool, I guess, kind of, but people act like that's—you know People say, what if he met the Cowboys in the Super Bowl? That happened. Super Bowl twelve. Craig Morton played for the Denver Broncos, who played for the Cowboys. He lost, but um, I, I, personally, I would love Tony go to the Jets, uh, just because I feel like he could be competitive and we just played the Jets in 2015. We don't have to worry about that. Like, I legitimately don't believe the Broncos, or I know Greg Rosenthal wrote about the Chiefs, are possible. Because the Cowboys played both of them in 2017. I, I just can't see, like, if you ran the Cowboys, I like, I couldn't see why, you know, at least trading Romo to the Jets. That would have to happen via him being released and signing in free agency. So, the Jets, I, I could live with, with Romo to Brandon Marshall, Romo to Eric Decker, Romo handing off to Matt Forte. I could get down with that.
1: Yeah, I I just wasn't I'm not just not sure if that is a, a good enough roster because I don't think he wants to go back to to what he was playing in and where he got injured behind a really bad offensive line. I wouldn't mind, and I just mentioned a bad offensive line, but I wouldn't mind seeing him in a, in Arizona. If Car- I, I actually think Carson Palmer might retire at the end of this season, I just I don't know. I've just got this weird feeling that it might be over for Carson. Um, and yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing him in Arizona with, with Bruce Arians and the weapons they have there. I'm not sure whether they play Dallas or what that means for Dallas, but that's just the one scenario that, that I would like to see, but, uh, we'll wait and see. And, uh, and yeah, it's, uh, it's been a great season for, for the Dallas Cowboys. I hope it continues for you because they are fun to watch. And, uh, is Zeke your MVP right now? Oh,
2: absolutely. And I mean, I say that Totally objectively, I mean, he's seriously. I mean, he's incredible, and, and I think that that is—it's all sort of lost on us. We're talking about a twenty-one-year-old, you know, kid winning the most valuable player of the NFL season. It's absurd.
1: Yeah, it is massively absurd. And uh, do you know what's not absurd is RJ Ochoa on the Wooten Y Show, and I very much appreciate you for coming on. I'm going to uh to wrap this up and uh, get my buddy on the line Woot to to preview Week 13. Um, when we look at week 13, do you have one, one tip for us? One, uh, guaranteed win that you match up. You like,
2: man, you know, I hate myself for this, but I'm excited for the Sunday night game. You know, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just sort of falling victim to the hype about it, but I'm, I'm just excited to see Seattle as a Cowboys fan. I think Seattle sort of finally starting to kind of, we're, I know they lost the bucks, but I mean, see Seattle kind of get back to who we've known them to be since 2012. And, and I, I mean, as a, as a football fan, I want to see Cowboys Seahawks, you know, i I don't want to just skate through them I and I, I want that big heavyweight challenge fight. And, um, I think the Seahawks just crushed the Panthers final hopes this season.
1: All right. Perfect. I, uh, I think that's a, a good game to look forward to watching. RJHL, thank you very much for joining the Wooten Y show. It won't be the, uh, last time because, uh, we'll definitely have you back on again, uh, anytime soon. Definitely in the off season, uh, we'll tee something up, but, uh, we'll talk off the air and, uh, and we'll, uh, We'll tee something up in the near future.
2: Sounds good, man. Have a good one. Enjoy that summer. Get the gardening done.
1: Where, <laughs> where can people find you? Give yourself a plug.
2: Uh, well, I am at RGOchoa on Twitter and Periscope. And uh, as you said, I, I uh, do live streaming every day, Ocho Live, on Twitter and Periscope. And uh, on the Inside the Star Facebook Live, that's where I write, star.com. every day, uh, at approximately 3 p.m. Central time, and then after every primetime game and Cowboys game, we just jump on and, and we talk, and it's um, it's been a really fun ride this season, just sort of hanging out, and uh, we've established a little community, and so uh, anyone is welcome.
1: Perfect. Thank you very much, R.J. Cho. Thanks a lot, man.
0: This week's NFL lines are brought to you by William Hill. Faster, easier betting.
1: All right, joining me for our week 13 preview is my buddy Josh woot how you going man it's good thanks for good jo-
0: to uh thanks for letting me come on the pod that yeah. my name's on
1: thanks yeah thanks for joining the pod halfway through uh just half the effort uh wreak the full rewards just uh typical woot <laughs> beautiful uh but speaking of reward you're uh you, you got another one up on me now uh, against the spread record this week uh, uh, last week so you're at now 89 77 and 11. Against the spread on the season, I'm eighty-seven, 79 and eleven. Uh, so you're two wow. out in front, but there's still a month of football left to go. So plenty of uh, plenty of football left. So uh, we, but are we that,
0: counting playoffs or not?
1: No, I think uh, we'll, we'll we'll do a separate one for the playoffs. I think because last year we uh, it, stopped. It, it, it.
0: All, it all depends on your record, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah. It's the, old, the playoffs It's the old Michael Scott um you know basketball episode is oh who's in front? Oh we are and then oh you got injured, we got to call the game off. We'll just <laughs> we'll just whoever's in front wins. So I'll uh, I'll just get out my inner Michael Scott. But no, I think we I think we did it separate last year cuz like you want to see how you go on the season so uh if we're yeah, both if we think... if we're both under 500 then we'll include the playoffs.
0: <laughs> yeah, did you also did you also do the thing at um at primary school or high school, when you'd be playing soccer at lunchtime or something, and you'd be losing five nil to the other team, and then you'd go next goal wins. Yep, always, and then for always,
1: no reason,
0: yeah, always, yeah, always. Or if the bell There's went,
1: or if the bell went, and you're like, oh no, nah, that's halftime. Like <laughs> tomorrow's the second half. Yeah.
0: Yep, that's it.
1: We used to uh, we used to play gridiron on the basketball court on the concrete basketball court.
0: Which, yeah. in hindsight,
1: I... sounds very dangerous.
0: Yeah, but it was fine. It was fine.
1: I think one guy got injured in the grade below us that we played against. That was the only thing. I think he got a concussion. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway. Uh, all right, let's Let's uh, let's get straight into it. But also, we went two out of two of our, on our locks last week. I only count them when we get them right, because we've been terrible on them. But we both, uh, Baltimore and Tennessee came up in a big spot for us, and uh, we, uh, two out of two. But anyway, let's... Uh, uh... Let's kick it off. We we lost on Thursday night. That's one of our first losses in Thursday night for a while. It was the sneaky backdoor cover from Minnesota. Uh, 17-15, we had Dallas minus three. But let's start with uh, one of the best games in the early slate, and that's Kansas City traveling to Atlanta. The line is five and a half. Atlanta minus five and a half at $1.91. Kansas City plus five and a half at $1.91. Looks like Jeremy Macklin is playing uh, for me, I'm excited to really watch Julio Jones versus Marcus Peters, and then I'm also really keen to see this this defensive front now after the way Justin Houston played last week. D Ford and Tamba Haley, how well the Atlanta O line can contain them? Uh, they've given up quite a few sacks uh, this season, so it it is uh, interesting to see how they how they'll handle. Uh, that type they're actually ranked 21st in giving up sacks in the NFL with 27, so that's the keys to the game for me.
0: Yeah, uh, this is the game of the week for me, this is is the main game that I want to watch besides obviously your own team, but yeah, no, this game has it all for me, it's just both teams, uh, you know, don't you think it's weird that Atlanta have been playing so well and yet they're still kind of being overlooked, it's just, I don't know, it's It's really bizarre. And then Kansas City, you know, they're just notorious for doing it every single season. Yep. Um, I don't know. I'm not sure how much weight I want to put on Macklin coming back. I'm not sure what his snap count's going to be like or anything like that. If he comes back into the fold and has a huge snap count, I think you know he could not essentially be the difference maker, but he might draw more coverage and then open up the offense a little bit more because, I mean, out of all the offenses, Kansas City's is one of the most... Yeah, vanilla, if you like. Yeah. But um
1: yeah, Who I... <sighs> was he, that? He Sorry, uh go? I was gonna say he does open the offense and it is against a pass defence that's just lost Desmond True and is ranked dead last in the NFL, uh, you know, in allowing 282 y- eighty two yards per game. So uh it is it is interesting to see how, how that how he goes back into the fold with Tyreek Hill and, and Travis Kelsey, but if if Alex Smith can continue, he's, he actually played pretty well against Denver and, and moved the ball quite well. He could do that again. I, it wouldn't shock me to see them win on the road here.
0: No, it, it wouldn't. Um, I think if if the, the spread was a little bit different, five and a half doesn't really mean much to me. It just, yeah, five and a half is just in that zone. I don't care. It's either got to be closer to do a touchdown or you know closer to a field goal for me to be concerned about it. I, I like Kansas City here. I, I, I think that um, you yeah, know you you mentioned the loss of Font is it's big. yep
1: it, it is and you're right. Atlanta are overlooked though uh, and they're not beating bums either they've got their second hardest schedule in the NFL by DVOA right now so they're they're not just beating easy teams they they've won in Denver they, they were competitive against Seattle. Uh, you know, they won in a shootout against Aaron Rodgers. Like, they're, they're winning these games, and they put 38 points up against Arizona's, uh, d- you know, number three-ranked DVOA defense last week. So they can put points on the board. if I think if they can protect Matt Ryan and he has some time, I really want to see him attack this Kansas City defense because Trevor Simeon quietly had played really well against, against them last week as well, and Matt Ryan's a much better quarterback than Trevor Simeon. So I'm kind of leaning Atlanta at home here. It's weird. We, you... You were on Atlanta last week, and I wasn't. Now that the, the tables have switched, I, I've actually gone Atlanta. So we'll wait and see. But this is, a, yeah, I think it is actually probably the best game of the round. I'm really keen to watch this game.
0: Yeah, give me the taste
1: Yeah. All right, Detroit plus six at $1.91. New Orleans minus six at $1.91. Uh, Detroit, despite winning all these games, just tells you how much of a flawed team Vegas thinks, and everyone realizes how flawed that their record is there. They're six-point underdogs despite, you know, having a 7-4 and four record uh, against a team that's, that's not quite as good. They're, they're playing well, but they're not like a, a power broker in the NFC. So a six-point line there at $1.91 uh, should be a shootout in the Superdome.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm really on the Saints at the moment. I like them. I like them for the division still. I think that they're they're getting hot at the right time, which is usually not the way that Drew Brees does it. Drew Brees usually opens the season really hot, and everyone gets their expectations. You know, sorry, that's the wrong way to word that conversation. That everyone's expectations are far too high going into the season for the Saints after the few first weeks. But I mean, I think I think they're getting, the, I think they're sorting it out. Michael Thomas is coming on extremely well. I think he's going to have another big day. He he doesn't look phased by anything no. at all. He, doesn't look, he looks like a veteran already. It's crazy.
1: Yeah. He looks like Colston in his like, third season already. <laughs> I know.
0: It's, just, it's bizarre. It is bizarre. I mean, I, I don't know. It's it's hard. You don't know what Matt Stafford you're going to get, but it's at the Super Bowl. Yeah. And that's that's the deciding factor for me. Drew Brees and the Saints play completely. It it must be such a crazy environment to go into. And, and it's... I I don't know exactly what it is. I mean, there's home field advantage, and then there's the Superdome. It's it's weird. It's not it's you know not compared to Arrowhead and Seattle and things like that where it's loud and noisy. They just I don't know. It just mm. must be just this a vibe they get or something like that. But yeah. I don't know. Drew Brees plays incredible at home, and I think you know just they'll just keep carrying on. This defense for Detroit isn't. Isn't anything to worry about?
1: No, and last year they played each other and they combined for 595 yards and six, six touchdowns between the two of them. And I think that it's kind of flipped this year. Whereas last year Matt Stafford had the easier matchup against a terrible Saints defense, while the Lions defense was was bad, but it wasn't as bad as it is this year. Now it's flipped. Drew Brees has definitely has the easier matchup against this Lions defense, and Matt Stafford's got a much actually a much tougher. Uh, Matchup than Drew Brees when I'm, it's all relative. But the Saints' defense has improved the last few weeks since Sheldon Rankins has come back and Delvin Bro as well. They're actually playing a lot better. Sheldon Rankins has been huge for them. He's a a really him and Joey Bosa just uh, proving their worth. You know they've they've been injured to start the year, but when they've come on, they've really helped their team and really been difference makers for them. So at home, far easier, far easier matchup for Drew Brees, who leads the league in in passing yards and. and Offense, total offense, points, touchdowns, everything. He's uh, he's lighting it up. So, yeah, definitely at home minus six. And the the Detroit Lions are, are a very, very flawed team. And uh, the Lions suggest that Vegas gets it and we all get it as well. So I think, uh, yeah, it's probably going to be one of my bets of the week, New Orleans. I, f- I feel like they're a much better team than uh, Detroit, which is weird saying that because I've been a bit low on New Orleans, but their offense has just been so stellar the last couple of weeks. Uh, moving on, do you on. think
0: that do you think do you think that Drew Brees should be being mentioned in the MVP conversation, considering how well he's playing, or no?
1: I think he should be in the conversation, but I just have a hard time putting him in front of like Matt Ryan, who I think isn't putting up as as impressive yardage, but he's just being a more efficient thrower, and that's it just I feel like he's a, and you got to factor in the team record a little bit as well. They are fi- the uh, Saints are five and six at this point, so. Look, if they make the playoffs and he goes on a and a crazy run at the back end of the season, maybe snatch the division. Then absolutely, but I feel like he is definitely in that in that top five with like what it, it's basically Zeke, it's Zeke, Ryan, Brady, Carr, and Breeze, really, isn't it? And Dak, so six. Yeah, yeah. It's an open like it. in an open race. He's definitely a contender. I I I agree with you, but I feel like because you expect that from Drew Brees every year, and he plays like that, he's just having a standard Drew Brees season. There's just no standout this year, so maybe that's why he's names in the conversation.
0: Yeah, maybe. Yeah.
1: I feel like Breeze has had s- so many MVP seasons. Like Same with like Brady and, and Manning, even seasons where they haven't won it. When you go back and look at their seasons compared to other numbers for people that have won it, you're like, that could have been an MVP season. That could have been it. There's just so many. They're just Unfortunately, only one can win the award.
0: Yeah, unfortunate. Yes. Uh, unfortunate for Breeze and Rivers and the likes of those players.
1: Yes, because they probably, especially Rivers one year, I feel like he, he definitely could have easily won the award. I uh, can't remember what year it was, but uh, he had a magnificent season. Uh, all right, Los Angeles plus 13.5 at a $1.91. Facing Denny Woodhead and the New England Patriots minus 13.5 at a $1.91. Why did I say Denny Woodhead? Well, Jeff Fisher this week mentioned that he was a, a guy to look out for in this matchup. Just crickets from you. Nothing to say about uh, Jeff Fisher's attempt at comedy. This
0: is... I don't. I don't get Jeff Fisher at the best of times, let alone when he tries to make jokes. See, it's just this. Knowing him, he probably thought Woodhead was on his team. You know, like that's the extent of yeah. respect and awareness I have of what's going on in Jeff Fisher's mind. The guy is a nutcase, and I bet. You, you, all right, I'll start though. I like. I like LA and the spot they're in. I think that. 13 and a half, two touchdown deficit, that I mean um that's it's pretty significant. And it's these games that I generally bet on and they they turn out alright for me.
1: Yeah. It's a, it's, a woot, uh, it's a woot special.
0: Yeah. And I mean like New England are in a, a, a tough spot and I think this is gonna be one of those games where they they'll test things out. They're in a good position in their division. They're not you know, they're not no, looking schedules. like they're not gonna make the playoffs or anything like that. So it's yeah, you can. I don't know. This is might be a way to get the ball rolling without Gronk and see what they've got and things like that. So I don't know. I, and Goff hasn't been as bad as we all expected him to. Maybe Jeff Fisher was right. Maybe it is time.
1: Mm, it, we'll wait and see. Uh, but Jared Goff's got to do something that's never been done before. Uh, no rookie quarterback's ever beaten Bill Belichick. Uh, so since or beaten the Patriots and Bill Belichick since he took over the Pats in 2000. So he's seven and zero against rookie quarterbacks and his defenses have allowed four touchdowns to 14 interceptions in those games. By the way, Bill Belichick, when he got asked about, uh, he got asked the question this week, what are some defining characteristics over the years of Jeff, Jeff Fisher teams? He said, good defensive line, good against the run, good in the kicking game. <laughs> Brilliant. But uh, yeah, I am, I am taking, uh, Oh man, it's such a huge number, and I really want to see. Look, the, the New England offensive line's been playing quite well this year. definite definite step up on last season, so I want to see how they actually hold up against Aaron Donald and and this crazy defensive line. I know Bill Belichick. They're
0: holding up. They're holding up well. Yep. but nowhere near. They last last week Brady was. You could tell he was completely hobbled, and he was still playing exactly. terrifically. And, but it was. It was bizarre. He was being he was being forced to step up. That was that was obviously the approach last week, and I mean, you know, that was that was the right approach. He just showed that he can step up despite him. Being, it was weird because as the game wore on longer and longer, you'd think he'd be hobbled by it more. But I don't know. He seemed to just adjust to the pain or something like that. But the offensive line is missing some big name players now, so yeah,
1: so I don't know. But it, it's, but now that Gronk's out, I think it's kind of gonna like actually suit them for this matchup because it just means that they're gonna use Deion Lewis and James White more, and they're just gonna release the ball early, split back sets, and just so that way they don't have to put Brady in, in jeopardy of a, a brutal Aaron Donald hit, which we saw him end Drew Brees' life uh, last week and add him to his kill list. So, uh, yeah, I am gonna take the Pats, but uh, I am not, I am not overly happy about the line. I just, I just, I'd rather go down with Tom Brady and and. Bill Belichick, than Jeff Fisher. So I'm taking New England. What are you leaning, L.A.?
0: Give me L.A. Give me the fish.
1: Yep, all right. Take the points. Put your two in front of the year. Why not? Uh, Denver minus three and a half at $2 with William Hill. Jacksonville plus three and a half at $1.83. Trevor Simeon is out. Paxton Lynch is starting for Denver in this game. Uh, pa- uh, Trevor Simeon with an ankle injury. So... We'll see uh, Paxton Lynch in his second game against a pretty tough Jacksonville Jaguars defense. They they played pretty good last week against Buffalo, apart from just busting out a, a 75-yard run from McCoy. But apart from that, they uh, I think they kind of outplayed the Bills last week. Uh, Bortles wasn't a complete disaster, but uh, it's a different ask going up against this Broncos defense if you're Blake Bortles.
0: Yeah, I, I can't go into a game... Hoping that Blake Bortles is gonna lead me to victory, I just—I until I see consistency or anything from him, I just can't get behind him. I think Paxton Lynch is gonna be, you know, shaky like his last, like his last start. But I don't know. The the defense is just a completely different beast than what um, Bordles is used to going up against. And this, I don't know. It could, it could be nasty. It could be nasty. Or this could be, you know, his breakout game and say, so, you know what, I am a quarterback that should be in the NFL, but I can't see that happening. I, I just can't. No. Von Miller might split him.
1: Yeah, it will be, uh, it'll be interesting to see how Lynch's legs get used as well. I think his mo- mobility is going to come in handy um, against that shaky offensive line, against the Jags. Uh, uh, Brad Craddock's uh, teammate, at Maryland, Yannick Nagogway is playing really, really well as a rookie um, off the edge as well, so you've got to keep an eye on him. But I uh, I think I'm expecting a low-scoring game, and it's not that I trust Paxton Lynch more than Blake Bortles. I just trust the coaching staff of Gary Kubiak and and Wade Phillips to just draw up a plan that, that'll that get him. And it's going to be an ugly game, I think, for Denver. They're not going to be too pleased with it, but they, they're outside looking in, and it's actually a must-win game for them. And, and it is a dangerous game, but... I expect a low-scoring defensive shootout, and in that case, I'm taking the Denver Broncos. I just can't see how Jacksonville are going to score too many points, and I think Lynch can do enough to to put them over the line in uh, in a, in a low-scoring game.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't think you can be scared of the running game of Jacksonville whatsoever, and I think just the, the game plan will just to be. Make Bortles feel uncomfortable, yeah. which hasn't seemed to be difficult for too many teams. So I think that will be yeah. that'll be the uh, the tactics for the Broncos.
1: Yeah, and I think Chris Ivory is actually out, so that's that's huge for for Jacksonville. Whereas TJ Yeldon doesn't quite strike fear into your eyes like uh, Chris Ivory does. So uh, I'm taking Denver minus three and a half. The the plus half part annoys me a little bit, but you're getting two dollars at William Hill right now, so um, take it and uh, you know. Trust you. Have your trust in the reigning Super Bowl champions. Moving on, Houston, plus 6.5 at a ninety one. 91, traveling to Lambeau Field to take on Green Bay, minus 6.5. Aaron Rodgers coming off a really great game where he uh, threaded a needle uh, just unbelievably to, to Vante Adams. I think Laurie Horish likes to call it. I think he's heard that somewhere. I think it was off a broadcast. I don't know who said it, but it's circumcising mosquito, he tweeted at us. Uh, some of those passes... Were, were, oh we're stunning, and he's going to need to do that against Houston's pass defense, especially with players like A.J. Boye um, playing really, really well right now. A.J. Boye. God, I really hope he uh, he's going to get paid this offseason. Come to the Colts because I would love to just say that name every time you have an interception. But uh, this game, I think, comes down to how well Aaron Rodgers can actually thread the rock and, uh, and throw the ball because I can't see Houston... Having as much success as against this Green Bay defense, even though they've been really, really bad, their weakness has actually been teams spreading the ball around and troubling Green Bay's defensive, you know, banged-up secondary. But what do we know about the Texans' offense? Is they can't spread the ball around; they're, they're shocking like that, and that's just not their strength. And Brock Osweiler's is terrible.
0: Yeah, uh, I think don't you don't you think that when you're when you're looking at Aaron Rodgers in the last few weeks, it's not like it's not like he's becoming comfortable. It's just like it feels like they've found something that I don't know. There's some kind of they've been having some kind of success. They had a little bit of um, luck last week, if you want to call it luck. I mean, heaps of people were saying that the throw to Devante Adams was just so accurate that it was ridiculous. Did you see that pass that touchdown?
1: Yeah, it was probably the best pass of the season, to be honest. it was. Yeah, amazing. It was
0: but it was like at the same time, it was like. It was so lucky that it made it there. Yeah, but because it made it there, it was just like, "Damn, Rogers is accurate." Yeah, <laughs> so, exactly, I mean,
1: but that's that's like what I've been saying. Like, this is a whole different topic. But some of the best passes, you know, of the season, some of the best ever passes in the NFL, are lucky. They're, the difference between a, a spectacular pass, pass like we just saw or an interception is so minute. I don't understand why people are so tarnished by interceptions and looking into interceptions or you know he's such a safe quarterback but some of the best passes are, are some of the riskiest ones that's why i love watching Phillip rivers and Jameis winston play because and aaron Rodgers, is because they throw the ball down the field and take the risks and you get the goods with the bat
0: yeah i mean yeah of, of course like all the all the best catches and best touchdown passes and stuff like that are all always the ones in tight coverage i mean like, Odell's catch wouldn't have been anything. It would have been deemed stupid if he tried to catch it with one hand if he was wide open. So, yep. yeah. So, yeah, anyway, I think we're getting distracted. Sorry. Um, <laughs>
1: I just had to bring that no, up.
0: I, I, that's fine. The fact that it's six and a half, I, I find that that's, that's fine by me. I don't know. Something about Rodgers now is just screaming confidence. I don't know. Not. I don't want to say that he's. It's just confidence because I feel like he hasn't been playing bad. It's everything around him, but now that I think other players now are starting to, I don't know, feel more comfortable in their role and things like that. And Devonta Adams, who most people wrote off, is now starting to play pretty bloody well. Yeah, he's and legit. I mean, legit. Yeah, now he's a legitimate wide receiver in this offense, and I think he's he's somewhat replaced Jordy Nelson. I think Jordy Nelson is still deemed the wide receiver one in this whole offense, but yeah, I think Devonta Adams is the one that's causing people trouble. When he's on his game, he, because you know last not last week, the week before he kind of went missing. So it was, mm. yeah. I I think I think Houston is just I don't know. They're, they're a different can of worms for me. One week I'll be on them and then i will lose, and then I'll be off them and they'll win. But is that Lambeau. I don't know. I don't want any of anything of Osweiler at Lambeau.
1: No. Uh, Houston's one and four away from home, and they're average thirteen and a half points per game away. So. And their only road winner was against Jacksonville. so at this point it's all the all the avenues are pointing to Green Bay win. Uh, the football power index at ESPN do give a 73 percent chance to Green Bay. you talk about Aaron Rodgers looking on, maybe there's something in that black 10 on the sideline that's just giving him magic. Maybe they're just I don't know inserting God something damn. into it just it's just giving him magic. Um, but yeah, I'm taking Green Bay minus six and a half. By the way, I'm adding Matt Barkley to the list of quarterbacks that are better than Brock Osweiler this week, uh, this year. Nice. Yep. Agree with that?
0: Uh, (laughs) it's one game. Anyway,
1: still, it's still a better game than I've seen from Osweiler all year. All right, moving on Philadelphia plus one and a half at a dollar 91 taking on Cincinnati minus one and a half at a dollar 91. This game kind of has no real implications for me. Um, I think both are done. Unfortunately for Philly, it's just their division's just so tough. If they're in any other division, maybe apart from the AFC West, then they're definitely still alive. But it's just so far to come back for now. And uh, these two teams actually have only had one win since Halloween, So, uh, and it was an upset win by Philly against Atlanta. So it's, uh, it's going to be a bit of a scrappy affair, but it's a type of game that you, you kind of want to see Carson Wentz get back on track. I think that's what you really want to watch for as a Philly fan. Uh, do you agree?
0: Um, kind of. I mean, Wentz hasn't been playing bad. It's just been, like, last week they didn't... Jordan Matthews went out. Aguilar didn't play. Brian yep. Ryan Matthews injured. It's just so much going against them in a division, yeah. like you said, that's really difficult. And, I mean, Kirk Cousins, who we kind of wrote off after the first couple of games, just one player of the month. So, I mean, I don't even know what to think of the whole division. The whole division is crazy. But, I mean, personally, I mean... Kind of like how you feel about the Colts, like you don't want the Colts to keep succeeding with bad teams because it hurts you in the draft and things like that. So I'm kind of I'm kind of happy from that aspect. I'm like I'm fine with having a higher draft pick, and I mean essentially we began the year thinking it was a re- rebuilding year, and then they started playing really well to begin the season. So we were, everyone got their hopes up a little bit, but I think we've crashed back to reality. I'm fine with it. I just still see Cincinnati with too many holes. Like they last week, they went up against Baltimore, and their their strengths are now Tyler Eifert and Jeremy Hill, are kind of the only players they have. And Philly have two good safeties that will, you know, hope to shut out Eifert. And then they're stout against the run, so it's it's again the similar similar scenario to last week against Baltimore. Yeah. So I think Philly should have some success because Cincinnati's defense hasn't been playing well either. So. I'll, I'm going Philly. It could go either way. This could be the game that they both get back on track. But yeah, I
1: don't
0: know. Mm. I, I'm going Philly, partially biased, but partially against the matchups.
1: Yeah, no, I'm leaning Philly as well. Andy Dalton, five point nine yards per attempt last week. So it's just, it's just huge. Without his AJ Green, he's really missing his AJ Green. It's just, it's making it really tough for him. And a very similar type defense that the Philly are to to Baltimore. Good against the tight end. Good against the run. So it's going to be really, really tough. And uh, your pass rush, you know, you kind of struggled last week. But if if you get it going again, Fletcher Cox and, and uh Benny Logan and Brandon Graham can really put some pressure on Dalton, who's been sacked 32 times this season. So I think when you look at it that way, I can see, oh. if, yeah, I can see Philadelphia getting the win. But I guess the, the Bengals defense—they've been pretty bad this year. But the last couple of weeks they've actually been not too bad. They've sort of stepped it up a little bit. But it's just the offense is lacking with so many weapons. So. I'm, I'm taking the team with the points here. I think this type of matchup, I was always just going to lean whoever was getting the points because I, I basically see it as a pick em at this point, so I'll just take the one and a half and I expect a close game. Uh, moving on, Miami yep. plus three and a half, Baltimore minus three and a half. I know he said the Chiefs and uh, Falcons game was going to be a, a, a must-watch. This one's also up there, not in terms of watchability, but in terms of importance. Both teams on a run and, and really need the win. Uh, Baltimore can't afford to have a lose a loss with you know Pittsburgh right on their heels, and and Miami can't either with Denver and Kansas City and San Diego really pushing hard for that last wild card spot. So we'll wait and see how this this one pans out. But the line is three and a half. Baltimore's run defense at the moment is on a historic pace. It is the number one running defense. DVOA. It's actually better than their two thousand team at this point. So it's going to be tough for. J so it's going to have to come down to Ryan Tennehill beating them through the air.
0: Yeah, and I love it. I like Baltimore in this spot. I am going to go Baltimore. It's hard to go against Miami considering how well they've been playing, but Miami are just, I just—I don't know—Miami. I don't. I don't have faith that they're not. They're not going to get anything going in the ground game. Just they're just. They're just not. It's just so, scientifically proven, Josh, okay. that the Baltimore Ravens are just. Too good on the against against the run, and I don't, I don't have faith that Ryan Tannehill is going to get anything going. And did you know that Miami hasn't covered the spread in their last eleven December games? Yeah. So that's just crazy. That's, so, that's
1: nuts. But this random
0: is, statistic yes. from all the other seasons, but yeah. this is a bad time of year for them. So.
1: Not under Adam Gase. Not under Adam Gase. I have trust in Adam Gase. And I actually trust Ryan Tannehill more than Joe Flacco right now. I actually think Ryan Tannehill's having a better season than Joe Flacco. And right now, I'd rather have Ryan Tannehill play quarterback for me than Joe Flacco. And the Dolphins' defense is actually pretty good. They're actually uh, ranked number one in third-down defense this season. And uh, I can see them uh, holding out the Ravens. I can't see the Ravens putting up too many points either. So I think this is going to be another low-scoring I like the unders in this game, but I'm, I'm actually taking the Dolphins here. I, uh, I, uh, I think uh, getting three and a half, it's just the right amount. I think uh, a field goal will be in it either way. So I'm taking Miami. Moving on, San Francisco, minus two at $1.91. Chicago, plus two at $1.91. This is actually flipped two days ago. Chicago, a favorite, minus one. But I think Vegas have adjusted and got it right here. I think San Francisco should be favorite facing Matt Barkley. This game has no real implications into anything except maybe the number one overall pick. Um, If Chicago can get a win, San Fran could still end up being the number one pick if if Cleveland somehow find a way to get a win, but there's not much to report here in this game, except I expect uh, a big game from Jordan Howard against this run defense, and I just want to see Colin Kaepernick continue to make strides.
0: Yeah, me too. I, I don't really have any interest in this game besides to see how Barkley and Kaepernick go, but... Kaepernick's been there before. He's playing pretty bloody well at the moment, so I'm going to go Sanford.
1: Yeah, and look, the Bears are pretty good. They probably should have won last week if it weren't for some really bad drops. There was 12 drops from their receivers, and they were they were scrappy, and their defense has been pretty good, but I think that was a game that they, uh, yeah, got away from them. Moving on, Buffalo plus three at ninety-five. Traveling to Oakland, minus three at eighty-seven. A must-win game for Buffalo. Oakland well out in front in the division, and at home, Derek Car, no issues with the finger. What's your thoughts on this matchup?
0: I like Buffalo, which is <laughs> weird for me. I kind
1: of because I'm, <laughs> I'm an Oakland.
0: Homo. I'm an homo. Homo. <laughs> <Did I stutter? laughs>
1: well done. Anyway, nice. Yeah. Anyway, that's going to be a drop from now on. You know that. Wow. Oakland homo. Oakland homo. Okay. Anyway.
0: Yeah. No, I like Buffalo. They're. They're. I don't know. Something about him in the moment. That McCoy is looking insane. McCoy, who people. It feels like he gets hurt, and everyone's like, "Uh oh, he's going to be hobbled by it." And then he'd come out the next week and just destroy a team. They're they're playing pretty well, and like Oakland, I think they're they're content where they are at the moment, and I think that they're they're, mm. they're locked into the playoffs. I feel, and they, I don't know, maybe they might take their foot off the gas a little bit, but I can, I can feel that. Buff- yeah, but Buffalo. Uh, their defence has been, you know, performing pretty well and their offense is performing pretty well. It's not it's not neither side is playing amazing, but they just seem to be getting the job done now. And the fact that Sammy Watkins put up such a, a stat line with only three catches, I don't know, it just screams that, you know, they're gonna get him more involved and I don't know, the offence might fire a little bit more. This could be a grinding game, but that suits Buffalo well. It doesn't mm. really it doesn't suit Oakland too well unless, you know, it comes down to a car um, fourth quarter drive that he just always seems to make at the moment. The guy is just on fire, yeah. but I don't know.
1: So you're taking Buffalo? Yeah. Yeah. See, I felt like that way about Oakland last week, and then they they uh, actually uh, they covered, so I ended up getting the tip right. But I uh, I actually thought that was their danger game last week. I think they're a much, much better side than Buffalo. I know LaShawn McCoy's been a maniac, but I actually thought they were outplayed a little bit by Jacksonville last week. So I'm going to take Oakland minus Surrey. All right, moving on. New York Giants plus six at $1.95. Traveling to Pittsburgh minus six at $1.87. This matchup features two of the best wide receivers in the NFL in Antonio Brown and Odell Beckham Jr. Um, I would say expect plenty of points, but New York Giants haven't actually passed 30 points at all this season, and they're very fluky like the Detroit Lions. Everyone talks about how uh, fluky they've been and how lucky they've been. The uh, Giants have also been very fluky. And uh, yeah, the margin of victory is equal with the Detroit Lions over seven games at twenty-seven points.
0: Yeah, it's it's bizarre because both of these teams can put up so many points, and yet they they both seem to just be I don't know struggling. It's it's so weird because they both have plenty of offensive weapons, yeah. and not, neither of them seem that consistent. But any given week, they can just explode, and you've seen that. Um, with New York, it's hard because you never know what way they're actually going to try to target the defense. It's just. Yep. It becomes it just becomes a mystery every single week, and you know you'll have these one weeks where they're they're targeting Odell every you know every chance they get, and then he'll one week he'll just get like four catches or something like that, and you'll see Sterling Shepard or Will Ty have a big game, and I don't know. To me, it's just really, really weird. I don't know. I can go either way. I think I want to leave New York. I want to leave New York. I think I'm going to go that way. I think I'm going. To, I'm going the Giants.
1: This might swing you a little bit. Uh, the underdog has covered in each of the three previous meetings between Eli and Ben Roethlisberger. So uh, that's uh, something to consider. I, I really want to watch how Le'Veon Bell plays because he's been unreal. But this Giants run defense has been really, really good with Snacks Harrison in there and their front seven's played really, really well. This is a horrible game to pick. I don't want to. I don't want to touch it at all in a gambling aspect. I'm really keen to watch it though. Um, I'm gonna just lean Pittsburgh at home here um, by just under a touchdown. Uh, it's one of those games where it's just there's no use trying to break down anything because it's just gonna be one of those weird and wacky games. I can just expect it. Um, you yep. know, you expect plenty of points, but it could be nothing like that. Uh, it's gonna be snowy as well. Uh, Washington plus two and a half at a dollar ninety one. 91. Arizona minus two and a half at a dollar ninety one. 91. Now before I looked at this line, I thought this is a really dangerous game for Washington. I might lean picking Arizona here, but I d- couldn't believe Arizona were favourite minus two and a half here, and actually getting you actually getting points with Washington. So that's swung my pick back. I think I, I'm going to take Washington, but it is a dangerous game. Arizona, I know they're four six and one, and they've been really sloppy, but they should really be six six and one if you if if they had a decent kicker. So they're not as bad as their record suggests, and their defense, you know, despite giving up 38 points to Matt Ryan last week, I don't think Kirk Cousins is as efficient as a passer as Matt Ryan and he's missing Jordan Reed, so that really makes it dangerous for him uh against this Arizona defense I think and Tyro Matthew is out though, so that that's huge but it's a it's a really dangerous game for Washington. I think they should win this game and and if you want them in the playoffs, they need to win games like this
0: oh uh, no, this is this is stupid to me this is just dumb. I just Washington all day. Arizona haven't been playing well they' without Tyro Matthew. Washington always seem to find a way when they don't have um, Reed in the lineup. Anyway, I don't know. It's it's fine for me. Give me the, give me plus two for Washington. It's
1: ridiculous. I'm actually <laughs> no. I'm actually going to go Arizona. I know it's. I don't know. I just have this weird gut feeling that they're going to win. I, I feel like David Johnson's going to have a huge day against this Washington run defense. I don't know what it is. I just have this weird feeling that the Redskins are going to come up short here. You know, Player of the Month stuff. Kirk Cousins and I just have this weird feeling. That it's not going to go right for them. This is another game I can't wait to watch. Tampa Bay plus four at dollar ninety one. San Diego minus at ninety one. Two quarterbacks that love to throw the ball without any fear, and have really fun offenses. And I think you're going to see plenty of points and and plenty of quarterbacks aggressively tack, attacking down the field. San Diego are, my, are favorites by minus four in this one.
0: San Diego. <laughs> that's that's it. Well, well I, don't, I don't know. Tampa, Tampa's, Tampa is. I don't know they I feel like everyone's getting on board because they're playing well. But Rivers isn't the quarterback that's going to get caught up in this kind of, you know, not hype because he's not going for the other team. I'm not saying that. Nah, I'm just saying that he's not going to be phased by anything at all, and he's just going to walk. He's just going to walk into his home stadium and then just go. All right, guys, calm down, and then that's it.
1: It's it's weird. Like Tampa Bay are a very flawed team, and they they're not. Probably not as good as their record suggests, but the last two weeks have beaten Seattle and Kansas City, two really, really strong teams. So it is uh, it, it is really tough to to judge. So I don't know. I, I feel like Chargers are the better team and a more complete team, and Joey Bosa is an absolute game wrecker, and I trust Phillip Rivers more than Jameis Winston at this point. So I, I'm going to take uh, the Chargers here uh, minus four at this point. Yep. All right, moving on. Sunday Night Football, Carolina plus seven, $2. Seattle. Minus seven at a dollar Your initial thoughts on this game?
0: I want to. Oh, nah, I'm not. I don't want to overthink it because I feel like every time I overthink it, I go with Carolina and feel that Newton can do something. But I don't know. Seattle's at home. Is El Thomas back?
1: L Thomas is back. Michael Bennett is back, and they're coming off a loss at home. I I just feel like they're the type of team that they just bounce back in a big spot. I just think that that's yeah. FPI, the Football Power Index in uh, on ESPN, gives them a sixty-seven percent chance to win. I just, I, I just can't see them losing two in a row at this point. And they're sixteen and five in the regular season in primetime games under Pete Carroll, so they're just money. Um, they've they've been good. They sort of came back to their offense, sort of exploded in primetime against the against the Bills, you know, a month ago, and that's when we started to see Russell Wilson and this offense go. I still see the blueprint of Carolina and what we saw from Tampa Bay last year uh, last week. Attacking Seattle's f- offensive line, you can see Carolina finding some success, but two in a row, Seattle—they just don't lose two in a row at home. It's just—it just doesn't happen. Nope. Uh, and no Luke Keekly as well for the Panthers. Another uh, another week out for concussion. So we'll wait and see uh, Seattle bounce back here. Uh, the last one is my Indianapolis Colts minus one and a half dollar ninety one Monday Night Football taking on the Jets plus one and a half at a dollar ninety one. Ooh. The uh, the Colts have. The uh, two, two of the have the two best quarterbacks in this game on their roster. It's Scott Tolsey and Andrew Luck. Am I right?
0: Yeah, that, yes, definitely, yes. <laughs> if you want to, if you want to, you know, play your own team's horn, sure. <laughs> uh,
1: I don't, I don't know what I want my Colts to do in this one. Um, the AFC South is wide open, and we can definitely win the division. And I actually think we probably are the best team in the division when we're healthy. Um, but I just. I just don't know what to what to expect from my Colts here. Uh, I I'm going to lean them though. I think I'm going to take them minus. Actually, no, I'm going to reverse jinx it. I'm taking the Jets plus one and a half. We, we played pretty well against the Patriots last week. <sighs>
0: I will... I'm not. I'm going Colts. If you want to reverse drink it, I'm going Colts.
1: <laughs> Andrew Luck's back, and Darrell Revis has just been terrible. One of your bold predictions has come true this season, and I can just see T.Y. Hilton just running rings around him all day. He does it against some of the best corners on the planet and against an aging Darrell Revis. I think that's the matchup that the Colts will want to exploit, and I think their defense has been a little bit better, and, and we'll be able to sort of keep them in this, uh, you know, keep the Jets on. Uh, off the field and uh, Andrew Luck back on the field. So I think the Colts uh, can get it. I'm changing it. I'm taking the Colts.
0: All right. All right. Me too. The
1: Wooten Y Lock of the Week, proudly brought to you by William Hill. Faster, easier betting. All right. I know you've got to run, so let's be quick here. What is your lock of the week?
0: I want to say I'm going Buffalo.
1: Buffalo. Buffalo is your lock of the week.
0: Buffalo is my lock of the week. You feel you feel weird about that?
1: You're hanging some serious onions here, buddy. That
0: is Mate, where, you watch this week. All right. Watch this week. Wow. It's going to be my week.
1: That is huge. I'm taking New Orleans minus six. I think that's my lock of the week. I think they're specials against Detroit, who are a very flawed team, and they deserve a loss because they've just been so lucky. So, all right, I'm going to let you go. Thank you for joining us, Woot, and uh, we'll be back <laughs> next week to recap all the Week 13 action. All
0: right. Bye, guys.
1: See you, buddy. All right, that wraps up the show. A very big thanks to RJ Ochoa for joining the show to talk all things Cowboys and Thursday night football. And thanks to Josh for joining us to preview week 13. Just recapping our locks of the week, New Orleans minus six and Buffalo plus three. I do not endorse Buffalo plus three. But uh, Woot's hanging some onions here. And as always, you can follow me on Twitter at JYNFL. You can follow Woot on Twitter at Woot Etc. Please purchase tickets for the Lunar Bowl. Keep an ear out next week for our competition to win a double pass in that. Please listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Wooshka, and TuneIn Radio. Thanks, guys.